Welcome back to Worst Seats in the House. Michael Russo, Anthony LaPanta, coming to you from Elsie's in Northeast Minneapolis. Do we consider this Northeast? This, yeah, is, this Northeast. is Northeast. Yep, yep. I lived, a, right, lived freaking two blocks from here. You would think I knew it. I lived here for 12 years, and I didn't, I didn't know that this is considered Northeast. The actually, real Northeast is out this way, not where you live. Yeah, I actually went to a trampled by Turtles concert literally right there. Uh, their last... In the uh, sketchy parking yeah, lot over um, there? No, it, it's like a... I don't know what that is. So um, it's a sketchy parking right, lot. Well, it was their last Palomino <laughs> festival, and it was awesome. So not sketchy, Anthony. <laughs> um, so uh, welcome back to uh, Worst Seats in the House um, in Northeast Minneapolis. We've established that. Uh, one really cool thing is that we have a new podcast coming on the Talk North Network, and I heard that it was done today, and it lasted hours. Uh, it's called the... Prosbox. Do you know who hosts the Prosbox? I've got a guess. Yes. Uh, Nate Prosser and his brother Luke, uh, they recorded their first podcast today. It's going to debut around June 6th, and he's going to have everybody from today. They recorded Matt Cook. He's going to have everybody from Alex Stalock to Devin Dubnik to Zach Parisi to Devin Setaguchi. Um, he told me somebody else that he's got lined up. Uh, oh, Nick Sealer. Um, so him and his brother, uh, Luke Prosser, uh, they're going to be doing this podcast, and it's going to be awesome, and it's going to be the type of thing that essentially a NHL alum would be able to host because they are going to get stories that there's no way is going to be told to a beat writer or a play-by-play guy. I was just thinking when you mentioned Nick Sealer, is there a player that would be more similar to Nate Prosser in terms of... <laughs> Like an NHL path. We'll yeah. see what happens for well, Sealer. Nick, but though, uh, he's got some years to go before yeah, he yeah. catches up with Nate. But. Yeah, N- Nate is not that Nick is not the nicest person in the world, but Nate is the nicest person in the world. Nick on the ice could go like well, that. Well, so could Nate. Yeah, but although but he'd Nick say is, "dang you" before yeah, he popped yeah. you in the mouth. Yeah, that's true. But I think Nate did it to survive, where Nick enjoys it. Yeah. Nick, Nick, has Nick a could be head. mean on the ice. He, he likes banging those. I'm excited uh, to hear that, though. Nate, yeah. Nate's a really talented good. guy and a funny yeah. guy, and yeah. it, that'll be interesting. And he told me that apparently Cookie today talked and talked and talked and told all sorts of stories, so I bet that'll be an awesome, awesome podcast. Um, so uh, we're in the, uh, really, the, what, second week? The offseason feels like a month. Um, Wild um, are forced to be watching TV right now and seeing all these players. And you know what I was thinking the other day, and I tweeted it out, and it was definitely a pot shot of the wild, um, at the wild, and which I've, I tend to do. But I, I really hope their players, and I know players, managers, coaches, they like to just not watch the postseason, like the Europeans get on a plane the day after they go back home. I hope the wild players watch that Tampa Bay Lightning, Florida Panthers game three. Because there was a great example of Florida coming out desperate, having to win that game, and Tampa Bay, who's won two straight cups, we all thought they were sort of, you know, exhausted, gassed, ready for the, to get into their early offseason. That, that's a championship team that put the absolute screws and just took the life out of Florida. President's Trophy winner made sure that Florida had no life to win that game. And to me, it reminded me of when the Wild let St. Louis off the hook in game four. You know, there was a perfect example to go win that game. And to me, the series was lost there. And, and, and Tampa just shows that, you know what? They like winning. You know, John Cooper said it perfectly the other day, Anthony. He's like, right now, they're playing like a like team. Like they haven't that, won a cup like yet. Like they haven't won a cup yet. Well, and let's not overlook the guy between the pipes. Mm-hmm. That, that there's one way to withstand a barrage from a desperate team early. No because really, Florida did it to him again in game four. 50 shots on goal and couldn't beat the guy. And Andre Vasilevsky has been the best player in that series. Tampa did play well and put the screws to him. I agree with you, but it started with Vasilevsky. And he was so good. His numbers in elimination games, crazy. it is unbelievable. Yep. And for them to be this consistent, when you think about winning 10 playoff series in a row, you look at how hard it is to win a playoff series. They've won 10 in a row. Think about that Crazy. for a minute. With some really good teams yep. mixed in there along the way, ten playoff series in a row they've won, and either right now you'd have to say they're the team to beat in the Eastern Conference. And who would bet against him in the Stanley Cup Final? Uh, another perfect John Cooper mic drop the other day. He ended his press conference. I think it was Eric Erlinson from Tampa Bay Lightning Insider that asked him, "What you learn in that Columbus sweep?" When, didn't they win the President's Trophy and then they were swept in yeah, the first round? Yeah, that was the year before yeah. they, this 10-series yeah. winning streak. So you know what uh, John Cooper said as his answer? He goes, well, we haven't lost yet. And he just got up. He goes, 
And with that, they, uh, John Cooper to me is one of the best. I, I, should, I wish I could read this email that he sent me a couple years ago. For the, we did this thing, this anonymous like, like poll, like coaches poll in the league, and we sent like ten. You know, you all see him in the athletic, and we did like ten questions, like ever all thirty-two coaches and probably a bunch of assistants. And his replies were just freaking hysterical. I mean, they honestly, they're still to me the funniest. Uh, Actually, if you go back and read the athletic uh, story for there, you'll pretty much now know which what John Cooper's answers. It was interesting. I was thinking back to that series that they lost to Columbus when I, for some reason, I was just thinking about winning 10 playoff series in a row and what they've done. And it's there are so many stories like that where you talk about teams that had to get there and lose first and then learn to take the next mm-hmm. step. And those stories are only good stories if the next step is then taken. And I was thinking back to, remember the story about Wayne Gretzky to the New York Islanders when they got beat by the Islanders and, the, and supposedly he like walked by the room or something and yeah. made a comment that along the lines of that this is the last time, yep. we've learned our lesson now, and then the next year they beat him. And then and, they went on their dynasty. And then they went on their run and won four out of the next five. But if, if they don't win four out of the next five, that quote never becomes one of the great quotes in hockey history. And and the, the way Tampa has responded, I think, is significant because if you remember that Columbus series, Tampa was all over them in game one and couldn't score and lost the game. And all of a sudden, the series just got away from them so mm-hmm. fast. And the best team in the league lost four in a row. Crazy. And ever since then, they've been, a, they've been unbeatable. And they've had some turnover, but yet they've been able yeah. to withstand it and just add they a key lose piece their entire, here and there. And, yeah, they lose their entire third line. and, and Which was huge for yeah. them. It was, it's crazy. So I had Bill Guerin on my uh, other podcast the other day, um, and I don't know if you heard the Dan Barrero, Dan Barrero interview that he did last week, but it got a little, um, you know, it got a little, I, heated is definitely the wrong word, because you and I both know Bill Guerin real well. He doesn't and a lot get of that, heated about that kind of and stuff. And a lot of that was like almost show. It really was. And he, he admitted, he loves going on there. I think fans did think it was contentious and You know, there were a couple websites that said he lost his cool. It really wasn't. Um, The one area where he definitely, you know, where he has said a lot of times is the Cam Talbot, Marc-Andre Fleury thing. And basically the line of questioning was, well, you know, if there's any drama there. And and he's like, I don't give a crap. You know, like this is a big boy world and this is the way we do it. We want we. We want Flurry and, T- and Talbot tandem next year. One's going to be 38. That is going to be 34 or five, and and they both can't play 60 games. So this is the way it's going to be. And so, um, so that was the one thing. But the other thing that he said he, in protecting Dumba, which I think he is very protective of Dumba because he also I think knows the amount of flack that Dumba takes, and I think he wants to nip it in the bud now that when he trades Kevin Fiala in the next six weeks, which he is going to do. Sorry. Um, that he does not want Wild fans to think that the reality is is that Matt Dumba cost them Kevin Fiala. And so he was very protective of him there. And in that protection of Matt Dumba, he said two real slights at Fiala. One was, you know, he had a bad postseason and we want to all keep him. But the other thing that he said that he has said in the past, but maybe not for the public airways that he dropped on K-Fan, is that we all want to write ride Matt Dumba out of town for a guy that had three good months, which was a big time slight. Three good months, I think, is a little bit of an understatement, though. I mean, the the guy played with some guys who weren't capable of playing at his pace for Mm -hmm. most of the season, and he did score more points than anybody in this franchise has ever scored prior to this season, ever. Right. And I think that's a you're selling him a little short if you say he had three good months. Now... He also, because he carried this club a couple of years ago into that bubble playoff, and we've seen stretches. We've what, seen now four Kevin Fiala hot streaks that have been like almost unwild like. Even like even Kaprizov, until his strong second half, hadn't hit the type of. I mean, remember 14 goals and 26 points in 18 games to end two, three years ago. This year he had two stretches of 24 points, one in. I, I wrote it today. Games you know, or yeah. It was amazing. Yeah, it was unreal. And it isn't. It doesn't necessarily have to be either Fiala or Dumba. It just. I mean, everybody can do the math. It, it it's going to be difficult for both of those guys to be on this team, if not impossible. And and the reality is, I think, you know, Billy's plans. He says he's got a plan, and I'm sure he does. But they can change in a blink of an eye, depending on 
what an offer might be. Yeah. I mean, when he first talked about that he had a plan and I have an idea what we're doing and I know what we're going to do, well, that was before the trade deadline when Marc-Andre Fleury and Jake Middleton became members of the Minnesota Wild. And those guys have definitely changed whatever the plan was going to be. You had no idea that you were even going to have those guys. Right. So that plan can change. If somebody picks up the phone tomorrow and makes a call with a trade offer that you can't refuse, the plans can change yeah. in a hurry. Well, and and, and, and he we'll is, and he's pointed that out. And things change all the time. I mean, you know, like like uh, one thing that I'm starting to hear that um, is that John Merrill's injury that he had over at the World Championships is significant enough that it might change whether or not they trade like a Kulikov this summer or something like that. Like I, I think that 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 injury is going to be significant. Where you know. I think he'll be back by training camp, but it's not a guarantee. So that might change. So as you just said, I mean, things change with, you know, in a minute in this business. Um, the, the interest, the one thing I will say is that I had, so, I, and, you know, you can listen to Bill. He definitely walks it back. He definitely says, make no bones about it, that he had a tough, tough year. But, um, you know, Kevin, I think, um, and a lot of this conjecture, but a lot of this is from talking to some people that know him really well. He read those. I don't know if he heard the interview, but he read the stories and saw the quotes from Billy. And I don't think that it's any coincidence that two days later he went on Instagram. He almost said goodbye to Minnesota. He said, thank you, Minnesota. He changed his profile picture out of a wild jersey to just him and shoulder pads. It's very similar to what Kevin did last summer when he sort of played little head games with wild fans by putting out an a Instagram photo that said, peace out, basically. Um, this is what Kevin does, and uh, I think I think this time last summer, obviously they got a deal done. I think this summer he's basically saying, "I'm out of here." We'll have to see what happens, and it's there are a lot of reasons why you understand why he would be frustrated, mm -hmm. and some of it justifiable. But then on the other hand, the organization I think might be looking at it saying, "I don't know that." I mean, he's a great second best scorer on your team, mm -hmm. but. Can you win if he's your go-to guy? I'm not sure. And I think Minnesota... Well, I think we saw the difference between him and Kaprizov in this year's postseason. Yeah, a little bit. Although, here's all I'll say. I've thought a lot about that playoff series, and I don't put it all on Kevin Fiala. Yeah, everybody Because struggles. Freddie Gaudreau might have been exposed as a guy playing a little bit over his head during mm -hmm. the regular season as a second-line right. center. Really good all-around hockey player. Tremendous guy to have on your team. But he probably maxed out his game during the regular season. Everybody talks about having to have that extra 10% when you get to the playoffs. I don't think he had an extra 10%. Mm -hmm. I think what we saw from him during the regular season was the best that you were going to see. And when the game, the intensity picked up, the what was on the line picked up, I'm not sure he could elevate his game. And then Matt Boldy was in his first playoff series. And Let's not forget what Kirill Kaprizov looked like in his first playoff series. Yep. Ten shots in seven games against Vegas. I think next year you throw Matt Boldy into that same playoff series and you see a very different player. I agree. So those are the two guys with whom Fiala was playing. I don't think it's fair to just say Fiala had a lousy series. But, but, but that, I think that yeah. whole line might no have doubt. been a little bit in over their head yeah. because I thought Fiala's other parts of his game were still really good. I yeah. thought he was good on the kill. He was good on the power play. But I, I just think it was a tough spot for that line in the postseason. Yeah, the the, the ice shrinks uh, pretty quickly. Uh, but you know, where I where I say is I think that we saw a difference between Fiala and Kaprizov. Is I I think you can make a case that Kaprizov's line as a whole was not very good either. And yet he figured out a way to score seven goals in the series all by himself. Essentially, I mean Hartman had five assists, but I don't think I think you know the Wild. And the analysts will show that Hartman didn't have a great postseason and Zuccarello had a really bad one. Um, so, you know, I, I just think that it's, um, I think that Kaprizov, let's put it this way, to take it away from Kevin, Kaprizov showed that he is a special, special hockey player. Well, he's the best player the Wild have ever had. Yeah. But I think what the question that I would have would be, will Kevin Fiala be the same player somewhere else if he's their go-to guy? Here it was... Yes, he put up the second most points this franchise has ever seen. A lot of it was when the defensive attention was placed on Kirill Kaprizov. Yeah. So we'd have to see. And I think Kevin's going to be a yep. great scorer in this league wherever he's playing. And I'd love for it to be here because I think what we saw from the Wild this year was when you have a one-two punch of scoring lines, they can be a handful. And you take him off that line, even if you replace him, let's say Marco Rossi is the guy who moves into the top six in his spot. Mm -hmm. 
I don't think Marco Rossi is going to score like Kevin Fiala scored yeah. next year. Big offseason for Marco Rossi. Um, uh, and, and to that point, so Billy on this, uh, to close up, uh, to button up the whole Kevin Fiala topic, um, you know, the one thing that I will say, as much as, as Billy tries to couch, you know, we haven't made a decision yet, we haven't made a decision yet. If you listen to the podcast that I did with him the other day, he talks in absolutes about trading Kevin twice in the show. Uh, once is about um, what could you, how could you maximize the value of a Kevin Fiala when everybody in the league knows that you have to trade him, that you can't afford him, and everybody in the league knows that he's a UFA in one year. And he basically says the goal this offseason will be to get multiple teams involved to try to create a bidding war that way. So he talks absolute about that he is 100% going to have trade talks well, no Fiala. question, you're going to have the talks right. without a doubt, but that doesn't necessarily seal the deal that he's going to go. I mean, let's just say hypothetically that there are no offers out there that are anywhere close to what you want. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I don't think he's going to trade him just for, I'm going to trade him for the best offer, even if the best offer is far below what I think he's worth. Yeah, um, so the second point, I won't comment. This is the second point is um, it, that he talked in absolutes was to your point that you just said about Rossi obviously not coming in and being an 85-point guy, I asked him point blank, how do you replicate the 85 points? And he said, honestly, you probably can't. Um, you know, but he, what his point was, and he says it again in absolutes, is that that spot will be open. And just like Kevin Fiala became Kevin Fiala when they traded Jason Zucker, that's the goal now, is that you open up that spot to somebody else, and the hope is that he eventually becomes that player. And so maybe it's Marco Rossi, maybe it's somebody else. Um, you know, but but I I think that uh, that he is confident that. Well, that the one thing that we've learned about Billy is that he will be honest. Mm-hmm. He might just answer that I'm not going to tell you. Right. He if he tells you something, he's not he's not blowing smoke, and he's yeah. not he isn't going to be dishonest with you. He's going to either tell yeah. you here's the deal or. Yeah. I'm not going to yeah. tell you. Somebody uh, asked me on Twitter today if the whole Dumba Fiala thing by Billy is a smokescreen that he really is going to trade Dumba, unless I misunderstood the question. And let me promise you it's not. Um, now, that doesn't mean that he's not trading Dumba this summer. That means that he's not trading Dumba in a year. Uh, what, it, it, what it means is that what he, he's not blowing smoke that he's going to trade Dumba to protect Fiala. And uh, the one thing that I do gather from talking to Bill is that we're, you know, I wondered this offseason if he might go to Newport um, and say to them, hey, would he take an extension at five years times five, say a pay cut? I, I get the impression he actually is going to let, if Dumba is not traded, which I don't get the impression he's going to be, um, that he's going to go into next year on the last year of his deal and if they fall apart, you have a trade deadline piece, or maybe even let him walk if he, if you can't afford him in a year. Um, you know, the one thing I'll say, and this is no slight on Matt Dumba, but the reason why Matt Dumba is still on this team, it through all these trade rumors, we're not that the trade rumors were made up. It's that the value that they have not been able to find a trading partner for Matt Dumba for myriad reasons. Uh, one might be his 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 injuries. One might be his performance. Whatever is the reason. They have not had that ability to move him for what, you know. What uh, they thought he was worth. Yeah. But that goes back to what I was saying earlier. If all of a sudden you get a call with an offer that you think exceeds Dumba's value, yeah. make the trade. And now yeah. all of a sudden yeah. you the plans might change, even though you might yeah. be heading into this thinking and this I don't is think my it's plan. a bad like I don't think it's a bad it doesn't even need to be true trade fat like just imagine if you traded Dumba this summer, freed up that six million dollars. There's a lot of defensemen, good defensemen that are gonna be out there this summer via trade or free agency. You know, or you just continue to be patient and let the you know the prospects that they're flush with uh develop. Uh question. I forgot. I know. <laughs> You were making me nervous standing there for a while. So, so uh, because we haven't talked about Fiala enough, um, something just doesn't make sense to me. Now, we have the cap hit problem. We, we know about that. But there always seems to be a general sense in the wild organization of some, not a grudge so much, but there's something about Kevin Fiala that rubs this organization the wrong way. Mm-hmm. I, what is it? What can you? Because I'm, I'm sure I mean, I'm not if anybody sit knows there and you bash do. The guy's personality, but you know, I'll just say what the stuff that we see is that like he's a confident guy. Um, that sometimes that rubs people the wrong way. It's been very, very public that uh, he had a lot of. He says it himself had a lot of maturity issues as a young player. 
um, there is clearly, um, and again, I don't think I'm saying anything out of school here, uh, there is a relationship issue between Dean and him. They make each other better, but that separation might need to happen now. I think they're sort of, they drive each other bonkers. There's no doubt. I mean, we see it, you know, there's only one player that always gets singled out, and that's, that's Kevin. And I think that's vice versa. And, but there's reasons for that that we don't see that uh, has appeared in the locker room. Um, but this one, look, they made this, when they bought out Parisian Suter last year, this was to buy one more year of Kevin Fiala. Yeah, I mean, it really the, was. And the reality is if you still have Parisian Suter, you'd have the same issue. Yeah, that's, that's what I mean. Yeah, I mean, you, that, you'd still have their money on the books. If they were not bought out last summer, he would have been traded last summer. Okay. I guarantee you that. But I think there's a, I think there's a feeling that there's a difference between, and I, what Mike was referring to is that when Kevin Fiala makes a turnover, it seems to get addressed in the post-game press conference <laughs> every night. When Kirill Kaprizov makes four turnovers, they never get mentioned. Or Dumba. And, Correct. Right. And it, I think there's a part of it that there's a selfish nature to his turnovers sometimes. They all seem to be a spin move at the blue line to try to beat a guy one-on-one where Kaprizov and Zuccarello's are trying to throw some cross-ice pass to each other. And even though the result is the same, there's just a different feel to it. These two guys turned it over because they were trying to make a play with each other. This guy turned it over because he was trying to make a play one-on-one. Okay. And I, I just think that for some reason that seems to be stuck in the minds because I hear the same things. And I'd, I'd watch the game and I'd think, okay, well, tonight's a night – Kirill's the guy who should be getting aired out in the post-game press conference, and instead it'll be, the, well, Fiala can't make that mistake. Yeah. Well, the other guy made eight. It's just his, and but, look, he's a hell of a player. But he, he, he's got this demeanor about him that he's got this they don't stink demeanor about him. Okay. And, and, um, and we saw it in the post-game presser, in the postseason presser the other day. Like, you know, he's, he's the first person that I've ever heard when you're asked point blank, do you want to stay in Minnesota, that he didn't answer the question. He didn't, say, he didn't give the cursor, yeah, I want to. And he's also, like, even the way he answered his question about his postseason, he was almost defiant that he didn't have a good postseason. His, his rationale was, well, you know, maybe if we had 25 games in the postseason, I would have caught fire, you know, and, and I, I want to be like, but that's the point. You didn't have 25 games in this postseason because you didn't catch fire. This is not, the postseason is different than the regular season. The Wild, at the beginning of the season, were able to survive without Kaprizov and Fiala being on fire because they had so much depth in their lineup that was scoring at the time, the Hartmans, the Felinos, those type of guys, the X. And then eventually he caught fire and he was unbelievable in the second half. But you don't have that fortitude in the playoffs. You know, there's a lot of pressure. We saw to game one this year. Game one, Kaprizov didn't score. And all the po- now all of a sudden you're looking at it like, wow, this guy's played eight playoff games. He's got one goal, two goals, whatever it was. And you just don't, and then what happens? You know, the story is, well, Kaprizov's got to step up. But what does he do in game two? He steps up. So, And the only thing I'll say about Fiala is that I think there's, in any situation, coaches are aware of things that the fans are not. And yeah. they're in meetings with them. They're with them every day at practice. And I coach high school football, and there are times where parents will say, well, this kid looks better than that kid. And I'm like, but you're not with us at practice every day. You don't see that we've asked this kid to not – make this mistake 652 times and he continues to make it. And so I think there's a frustration level sometimes behind the scenes that we're not privy to. And yeah. I but, do travel with the team and I see the interaction with, I'm on the plane with them, I'm on the bus with them. The other guys like him. There's not a dislike for yeah. him. They all like him. And I just think that it probably wore thin, and maybe it goes back to when Dean had him as a young player. I think it and, really does. And I there's think, just, yeah. it's like a parent and a problem child kind of relationship where you've been butting heads for 10 years as opposed to two, and it just yeah. is wearing thin. And it so is I so think obvious there is a history there. Yeah, I just think all those things might be playing a factor. But the reality is, what we've also seen from Billy is that if he was the best fit for this team, he'd be here no matter what all that other stuff was. Yes. Because yeah. he's not a – the guys like him, and if the dollars fit and the contract fit and the best fit was to have him on this team, he'd be here. So I, I really think – you know, I've heard Billy talk about this a couple times, that will there be a challenge for you once now these are guys you brought in? Can you still look at them objectively? And he's like, well, if I can't, I shouldn't have the job. 
I think he's looking at Fiala objectively only as how does he fit on this roster under the dollars that we have yep. to spend, and if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Uh, that's the thing that I really respect about Billy is he has relationships with guys, but you know what? If it's not working for the team, he just moves on. He, uh, like I watched him at the first um, interaction when we were at Bachelor Gulch a couple of years ago. I don't think you were at that. It was his first um, you know, team outing, bonding uh, with the Wild GM. I saw him hanging out with these guys, talking to these guys, developing relationships with these guys. What does he do? He moves on from a lot of those guys. Same thing here. Like he, he used to live in the same building with Fial and his, and his, and his now wife. Um, you know, like he has relationships with him. He likes him genuinely, and yet he just feels like this is the best way to go for this team. That if he gives him seven and a half, eight million dollars, that one they can't afford it, but two that he is not a seven and a half, eight million dollar player. Um, you know, the the other thing that I was going to say is I reread my story today that I wrote the day before the playoffs began on Kaprizov and Fiala and their like two headed star status going into the postseason. And the one thing I'll say, the best part of that story. That, that I'm shocked that the nobody... The, the Definitely not the writing. My best writing is always the quotes, which is going to get to my point here. Yep. Um, so the, the, what I was shocked when the story ran, and I, even reading... Like, I, I never read the comments to my articles because they just piss me off, especially when they go after me. Um, so, uh, but, the, but I was shocked at the lack of like almost picking up on the fact of the Fiala section and how honest and candid... Freddie Goudreau was about the old Kevin Fiala. It's stuff that you never see a player say on the record. So we go to Nashville, I think our second trip, first or second trip there, and I knew I was working on this story, and I grab Freddie Goudreau on the side after the morning skate for about 20 minutes and we, for, to, for this story. And he could not have been more honest about the growing up that Kevin Fiala has done, and the inference in there was what he was like in Milwaukee during those days. So just imagine, again, remember the context that Dean Evason was his coach in Milwaukee during all the stuff that Freddie was saying and how he's grown up. And, like, again, you don't need to read too much between the lines of, of just as a, as a young player what Kevin must have been like to deal with. And, and so um, – and what he – how he – but, again, he was turning into such a positive of what he's turned into, both player, professionally, as a human, everything. And so, you know, you have all that back story there to almost explain the relationship that Kevin and, and Dean Evison have. With the if you haven't noticed, the weather is beautiful and spring is here. Have you started on your home renovations and in need of repairs for the spring? Aquarius Home Services is offering $65 off any plumbing, electrical, or AC repair. That's right, 65 bucks off. Don't stress about a leaky toilet, flickering lights, or your AC breaking down in the middle of the summer heat. In fact, that just happened to me a couple weeks ago, and Aquarius was out here in minutes. Aquarius provides no surprise upfront pricing and guaranteed work. They strive on providing superior customer service and an all-around five-star customer experience. Take it from me, they are absolutely the best. They believe in earning the right to be recommended. They're just a click away at AquariusHomeServices.com. And don't forget to mention, Russo sent you. Take the checking account challenge from Royal Credit Union. Compare your checking account to Royal and see why it makes sense to switch. Royal's checking accounts have no hidden fees and lots of free features that make it easy to stay on top of your money. You can deposit checks with Royal's mobile app, receive real-time notifications when transactions happen, and even freeze your debit card in seconds. See what other features you're missing out on and make the switch to a Royal checking account at rcu.org slash Royal Challenge, insured by NCUA. And here's a word from Profile by Sanford. So a friend of the show reached out to me on Twitter today and asked how they get in touch with Profile. And I sent to, I sent him and his girlfriend to Deb at uh, Profile. And uh, there's so many choices out there to lose weight. Uh, believe me, I've tried them all, uh, but I finally found the one that works. Uh, Profile is a full-fledged wellness program. My Profile health coach, Deb, designed a plan that was custom-tailored just for me. It incorporates my nutrition, my exercise habits, my lifestyle choices, my travel habits, everything. Um, I have more energy. I feel feel sometimes good. Uh, Profile worked for me, and it could work for you, too. Don't delay. Visit ProfilePlan.com slash Twin Cities and launch your transformation today. Tell them Russo sent you. Again, that's ProfilePlan.com. Dot com slash Twin Cities. Okay, I have, I have a second question. Then Mark Andre Fleury. If you look at his body of work since he joined the Wild, I think most people agree it's, except for a, you know a few games, has been average at best. <clears throat> Do you think that um, Garen is keeping him on the team? Um, I guess out of loyalty, or because he brought him in, or maybe something he said. Uh, 
behind the scenes that he promised him a, you know. I don't think that. It just doesn't make any sense because Flurry yeah. just does not look that good. Yeah. I, you know, in the regular season, um, like if you go back to the context of if they have a goalie rotation next season, which at now Marc-Andre is going to be 38, Tim Cam 35, when they had that, they were really good. Like if you're going to sign Marc-Andre, like say the Avalanche or the Vegas Golden Knights go after Marc-Andre Fleury and as the number one and want to play him 65 games, it's going to be a, a, a problem. But if you play him in a split with Cam Talbot next year, it actually could be really work really well. Um, and I think that's what, that, what Billy's looking at is the guy was 9-2 and two in the regular season here. Obviously, they went with him. I mean, Dean Evison said it in the post that the, the deciding factor that tipped things over was his three Stanley Cups. But I think, Dean, I think that he genuinely thinks a tandem next year in the regular season will work. Oh, I agree. I don't think they look at either one of those guys as a guy that could play 60. Right. And there aren't very many of those guys around the league anymore. When you look, especially these last couple seasons with the condensed schedules, most teams are going more with a 55-30, yep. 50-35 type uh, split between their goaltenders. There aren't very many teams that are going 65 and 15 anymore. And I, I don't think the, the answer to the question, though, is I don't think there's any part of this that's loyalty to Marc-Andre Fleury that he'd be back. I think if he thinks our goaltending is better with Fleury and Talbot, it'll be Fleury and Talbot. And if he thinks there's a better solution out there, there'll be a better one. And we're just all going off the assumption that Marc-Andre Fleury wants to come back here. Right. I mean, I know he said he did, but you know, he's just keeping the doors open. He did what it. Fiala should have done, but right. didn't do. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> there, might, there might be a... Uh, Colorado that calls and, yeah. and he looks at the Vegas. roster and says, hey, we got a chance yeah. to win a Stanley Cup yeah. as one of the favorites next year. Or maybe it's somebody with an extra million bucks and, and all of a sudden that's where Fleury goes. So uh, who knows? In order for any of these deals to work, both sides have to be interested in making it work. Right. And if Garen's interested in bringing Fleury back and Fleury has a better offer somewhere else, it isn't going to happen. Now, I will say to, to one of your questions there, there's definitely the one thing, because what you asked is something that I wondered, is was there some sort of handshake deal I'm bringing him back? And I could tell you if there was a handshake deal, Fleury's just not living up to that handshake or it'd be done by now. Like it is genuinely a, uh, it is a question mark on whether or not they're gonna, he's going to resign here. Billy really wants to make it happen. He is going to work over the next six weeks to try to make it happen, but it's not a done deal. Um, I know that to be a fact from a lot of different calls and conversations I've had with myriad people. Um, you know, and, and that's going to be the most interesting thing is that if you remember when the Wild signed Cam Talbot, that deal was done in like five minutes. Um, there is going to come a point where if, they're, if we're closing in on July 13th and it's not done – and Billy Guerin thinks that there's a chance that come July 13th, which is the first day, by the way, of free agency this season, um, that that it's still an open door. He's going to have to look somewhere else, and other, uh, whether it's a Billy Huso or make a trade or, or you know, whatever. Um, but to, to Anthony's point, he's going to have options. I mean, you know, he's going to want to win. And if, say, Colorado or Vegas do come after him, well, you know, look, look – Billy Guerin could want him, and he could want to come back here all he wants. But if you're Mark Andre Fleury on a one-year deal, you're going to go to the team. That yeah, I mean, the Wild look like a contender. Yeah. The Avalanche look like a favorite. Yep. And there's a difference exactly. when you're looking at it for one season. And the Wild are probably coming back without Kevin Fiala, so that might make things different. Remember, Kevin Fiala was the biggest Mark Andre Fleury fan in history. So look who is here! Oh my what? God! An old, old, old loyal worst seats in the house. Not old, like in terms of age, uh, supporter. But then he bailed on us, moved to Florida. He used to come on our Europe trips. Uh, Bert, what's up? Uh, not too much. Um, How's just life went, in Florida? Oh, I, I had to move back here. I got tired of the sun and the sand and the. Are warm you really weather. back here? Like, no, oh, no. Okay. Or are you kidding? Oh, okay. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so I had a question with my new hometown team, the Lightning, and the Vasilevsky. It's been good, but don't oh, boy, overlook. You really the, did fly Don't off overlook the, the Corey Perry. Uh, when Braden Point got hurt and Corey Perry got put on the power play. I mean, for a million a year. He's, he's been a great addition yeah. for them. That yeah. guy's so, unreal. Yeah. So I thought I was, so Anthony, you know, jinxes aren't real. They're not I mean, real. I, for as, as long as I was a wild season ticket holder, I thought I was the problem when they started playing good this year. And then with the lightning going into the, you know, the conference finals, I'm like, good. 
Yeah, see, the jinxes are over. Yeah, so. No, jinxes are not over. So I know the whole stuff has been beat to death, but I want to ask you guys about now that um, the Wild are out and everything's national. How, what do you think the ESPN Plus and the TBS and TNT business deal have for, done for the NHL? I saw ratings are way up, and so I just wanted to get your opinion on that, what you thought. Panther? Yeah, I don't know. It's hard to tell. I, over the year, I heard a lot of complaints from people trying to, I think the ESPN deal with, half of the games being available only on ESPN Plus was a drawback. But I think now for the playoffs, it's been an unbelievably unbelievably entertaining playoff run for them. I think it's great having two networks instead of one, and it provides some different eyes, different opinions. I think all that's been good. And to be honest, what I've watched, the the – Production quality, particularly with some of the ESPN games during the regular season, was was off. I think their playoff coverage has been better now. Maybe it's back to kind of their A crew, like with because the, they used to be the best when it came to producing hockey, and their theme song is the best. And the TNT crew, I What's think, what's with is, the audio mixing? It's, uh, it's strange. Yeah, like why is TNT incredible, but ESPN every game is just brutal. Yeah, it's the effects so high that you can barely hear announcers. Yeah, and yeah I'm not sure. I don't Especially know. in in Alberta, I wonder if it's like they don't have. I don't well, know, you think I Alberta mean, they have, have the power to change it however they want, but <laughs> it's it, it. Yeah, I mean, I think it's been. I think it's good for the league to have the two networks involved. And I haven't looked at the ratings, so I, I don't know anything about it. Yeah, um, you know, uh, I, I love uh, TNT's telecast. I think their announcing crews are really good. Did you, by the way, see the athletic story written by Mark Lazarus today on on how um, you you would really like this story? It's about you know it talks about the local sports play by play guys and how just it absolutely sucks that you know you sign up. You're as you mentioned, you're flying with the team. You wear wild. I mean, you're you're obviously you know you're essentially part of the team, and then next thing you know, when it most matters, you're sitting there yeah. and not getting to be part of it. You it's, know? It is, it's always tough every year, and this year we did get every game in the first round, which in the past we've even lost a first-round game or two when taken by national games, and it's a, it's a trade-off. There are a few TV guys out there who have in their deal that they jump over and do radio on nights where they're on national TV or, or once you get to the second round, and it it really it's tough. I, I mean, don't know we do you, we yeah. do pre and post game shows if they were to go to the second round, but it's not the same. I mean, it it is it is really hard yeah. to all of a sudden step back and when the games are now the the biggest, and in those couple of years early when they did go to the second round, it was it was it was hard to just sit yeah. in the crowd and watch the game. I don't know if you uh, knew, remember, uh, but in um, twenty nineteen when the Blues won the Stanley Cup, uh, Chris Kerber, the radio play by play guy, who sent us a. We we went to Paul Mano's during uh, in uh, St. Louis a couple of weeks ago, and uh, we we sit down at the table, and they bring us immediately this bottle of wine. They're like, "This is on Chris Kerber." Um, so Chris St. Kerber, Louis their radio guy, yeah. Um, but he had he felt so bad for John Kelly, their TV play by play guy, that during every game in the Stanley Cup final, he had John Kelly sit in and do the second period. Is that right? Yeah, isn't that neat? I'm yeah, pretty positive great. I'm getting that right, but uh, you know, it's kind of neat. Yeah, it, I mean, it's but it's just the nature of the business. Really, yeah. I mean you. That's why he gets the big bucks, right? And speaking well, of which, I mean, speaking of which, can we announce? Is, can we announce what happened to you the other the, day? The trade-off is that? that you know, if you go do the radio Maybe instead not. of TV, mm-hmm. then you know, then you're with it all the way yeah. through. But it's, I, I love the job. I love my job. I love the TV side of it. I love the being the TV play-by-play guy. But the, that means you don't get to do the second yeah. round of the playoffs. You're a the personal news. Is that on the record? Yeah, yeah, it can be on the record. Okay. Uh, Anthony uh, signed a new three-year deal with uh, Bally Sports North. So there you go. Thank you. So, and what are the chances that at the same exact time I signed a new three-year deal with the Athletics? Right. So there you go. Um, so keep the shoulder off for a while. Yep, there you go. Oh, look at this. Bert's definitely better half. Julie. What's up? So I just have a quick question. You guys are just trying to like get as many names and that thing so you could eat. Oh, uh, yeah, get right. The, uh, Our suitcases are jam-packed. I've already had to buy a new suitcase so I can <laughs> fly home. I thought you just uh, picked it up. Uh, one of the funniest lines I ever heard was, uh, this is going to really date myself, but in 1997 or eight, 1998, summer of 1998, this just shows you how long ago this was too, um, Tom Fitzgerald signs with the uh, Nashville Predators and he, um, 
Tom Fitzgerald signs the National Predators, and he becomes their first captain. And he, the, that, that year, the Panthers in March at the trade deadline traded him to Colorado for Mark Parrish. And so anyway, so I'm at this payphone at like 9 p.m. in like Plantation, Florida, and I call Fitzgerald up uh, to do this story on him becoming the first captain. And the funniest line he said to me was his son Casey, I think it was Casey, um, was like one year old at the time, two years old. Casey's now in the, in the NHL, actually. And um, he goes to me, he goes, my biggest goal by moving to Nashville is to make sure that Casey doesn't get a Southern twin. <laughs> that was what he said to me on the phone. Like, he was just so worried about that, that he wanted him to have the Boston accent. That it he, is, uh, it that is hard was. getting used to that y'all and yeah, that yeah. Uh, yes ma'am again and yeah. stuff. But yeah. anyway. So I just had a question what your predictions were for the uh, Stanley Cup this year. Well, I'm definitely going to be right because um, in the first – so so here's why I'm going to be right. All right. So I'm, You're going to wait until it's I, over and I then even, make your pick? So I even pointed this out to my editor the other day. So before each round, we do our predictions. And um, by the way, I came from Spy House, which might explain my attitude right now. Yep. So uh, like I'm super, super hyped up caffeinated right now. I met with uh, – or uh, talk north owners. So anyway, um, by the way, we've uh, we've we still have a job. Good. Um, Did we re up there too? Yeah, we re upped. Um, I got Brandon a raise. So, nice. No, no, no uh, just kidding. So anyway, <laughs> but I did sing your praises. So um, what was I saying? <laughs> Oh, well, your uh, Stanley predictions. predictions. So before the playoffs, I picked Calgary to pick the, to win the cup with Johnny Goudreau as the uh, Conn Smythe. But then after going in the second round, I changed it to Colorado to win the cup with Cal McCarr as the uh, Conn Smythe. But now I'm 100% going to go with Tampa and Vasilevsky. And in the fourth round, I'm going to change it again. So then what, I'm guaranteed that whoever wins, I could say that I picked them. Yeah, well, when you look at the – to go back to the question – I, the biggest surprise of this is Edmonton. Yeah, because 100%. I thought I had I picked them to lose in the first round of the Kings, and I still think they should have lost that series to the Kings. But from that point, from the last two games of that series to now, Connor McDavid has been out of this world, and I don't know what happened. Suddenly, somebody got his attention to convince him to play from goal line to goal line, and it is incredible how good he has been. And I I don't know how. I don't know how you stop them right now. I mean, I, the, the Calgary game last night was bizarre with Calgary scoring a goal from their own face-off circle to tie it, and, but Markstrom basically giving one away in the first 20 seconds. It's, I, I don't know what's happened to Calgary. Edmonton's been the biggest surprise, and I, I think it's, uh, you know. How, how funny is it that, like, going into that series, you're thinking it's the way Calgary play in the first round that every game is going to be an under, and now it's like, you know. The overs, like probably like well, some minus of us 20. thought that. Some of us thought it was going to be nine to six every night. Yeah, but I, I thought Calgary would win the series. Yeah, and so right now I still think Colorado's the team to beat in the West, and I think without Freddie Anderson, Tampa's the team to beat. With Carolina not having Freddie Anderson, Tampa's the team to beat in the East. But what is really bizarre is how different Carolina's been at home compared to on the road, and we saw them late in the year. They have a checking line that is the closest thing to the grief line that I've seen anywhere yeah. in the NHL with Jordan Stahl, Nino Niederreiter, yep. and Jesper Faust. And they went up against the Wild that night in Carolina. And I th I'm like, it's like watching a mirror image of these yep. two lines. And when you look at their numbers in the playoffs, at home, they've outscored their opponents like 22 to 7 when they get to dictate who those guys play against. And on the road, they've been outscored like 17 to 7 when they can't get that matchup. And so I, this series with the Rangers has been all home team winning. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it continues that way, but I think Tampa's a team to beat in the East right now. I, it, mm -hmm. How do you bet against them? McKinnon, by the way, two goals, 2 nothing, right now. Keekley, by the way, I'm sorry for swearing in front of your son. I forgot that he was here. So anyway, by the way, Keekley is here, and it's just amazing watching work. I don't know if everybody has been following him on, on Twitter, on Instagram, but guy's uh, just an absolute genius. Um, so, anyway, um, question. Yeah, so um, first time here, I, I love listening to your podcast. I appreciate it's, it. It's you. neat to see it live. Thanks. Um, three years ago for Father's Day, I got The Athletic. Oh, it awesome. Is, it dominates an hour or so of my day. Thank you. Love you on the Twins and the Wild. Well, so thank, thank you. So thank you for both what you do. 
So if, uh, if Garen is all about winning, it's all about winning, and we've got this cap hell for the next three years, if Fiala's gone, why not Dumba and why not, this is going to get controversial, Zuccarello and why not Spurgeon? Well, why not open some things up? I yeah. know you can't do all of those any way you want. Well, part of it's contracts. Yep. I mean, the other guys have no trade, no movements, all that type of stuff. Like Spurgeon, you know, uh, you'd have to go to him and say, well, you waive your no move. And that creates a whole can of worms with your captain. Same thing with Zuccarello. Plus, you know, I don't know how you feel with Zuccarello. I mean, to me, you, that, you run the risk of really alienating Kaprizov if you do that. I mean, this is not just an on-ice chemistry. You had, a great, you had a great comment, though. Yeah. Zuccarello hasn't showed up in the last two yeah. uh, playoffs. No, I don't disagree. I, I, Same as Fiala, yeah. or maybe three. Yeah. Same as Fiala. So just yeah. a question, right? If we're really going to go yeah. young and we're but really going to go out. I, I don't think they're ready to – I don't think yeah. this is a, hey, we can't win for the next couple of years. I, I really believe that the way they're going to combat this – is by infusing some youth yeah. from within their organization. Exactly the question. Now yep. you got some guys that are making their entry-level contract numbers, and that allows you to fill your roster twelve million bucks under the salary yeah. cap. Garen, is, Garen wholeheartedly believes that they are going to be every bit as good next year, and the hope is that the growth. Yep. You know what? The really interesting part of my podcast the other day is he said the one thing that he's doing in his autopsy right now is trying to figure out is this just something that they can grow and become yep. that team with a killer instinct, or is this on the GM to find, to change the personnel? And I, he, I, he said he's not there yet, and I don't think he's going to be there in a year, but if next year they have another monster year and fall flat in the playoffs again, then some of the stuff you're saying might have yeah. to become the, a, a... Zuccarello a, had a career year. Yep. This is a great trade year, but maybe you can't do that. Again, yeah. just a question. Yeah. So, yeah. And, well, and the Zuccarello contract is a—it's a good contract for the next two seasons. Which is funny because it's, two years ago you'd find about <laughs> fifty of these podcasts where I said it was a horrendous one. Yeah. Well, he wasn't playing with Kirill Kaprizov then. No, he wasn't. And which has kind of been his fountain of youth, so to speak. And it that creates. And to me, a, the big thing was the no move because what it did put them in a position was with where it affected the expansion draft and all that right. type of stuff. Yeah. Uh, Anthony, tell us about Kowalski's. Well, it's the only place to go when you're entertaining or just having a great family dinner. You got to start with the best ingredients. We've had a few really good ones here lately and looking forward to a summer full of them. And they, they've, I just love going back to their meat counter and their seafood counter because no matter what, you'll find what you're looking for. The guys there are knowledgeable and we've expanded what we've tried a number of times by just because of what they've recommended. So if you're Looking forward to a summer of barbecues. Stop by the meat counter, the fish counter back at your neighborhood Kowalski's. It's the it's the best ingredients. It's they call it the joy of good food. I call it if you're going to entertain or have a great dinner, you got to start with the best ingredients. And for that, I go to Kowalski's. And here's a word from Chris Lindell Real Estate. Now is the time. Uh, now you get uh, you can get a strong cash offer, sell your home stress free with a guaranteed offer with Chris Lindell Real Estate. Don't worry about the hassle of constant cleaning and home maintenance. Sell your home with Chris Lindahl today. Go to chrislindahl.com, fill out a quick form, receive an all-cash offer on your home today. No obligation, and the guaranteed offer allows you to bypass the market and sell your home ha hassle-free. That means no showings, no open house, no stress. Just choose when you want to move, and you will close with confidence. The Wall Street Journal named Chris Lindahl Real Estate the number one real estate team in Wisconsin and Minnesota for closed transactions. One of their clients, Dino, said, quote, we got a guaranteed offer from Chris Lindahl Real Estate and in 24 hours above market value, and we got to stay until we found our new home. It was smooth, easy, and stress-free. I cannot recommend Chris Lindahl Real Estate enough. The Chris Lindahl Real Estate guaranteed offer keeps you in control. It's that simple. Go to chrislindahl.com to get a guaranteed offer on your home today so you can start packing. Certain restrictions apply. And here's a word from Bosch Law Firm. Hey, hockey fans, Jerry Bosch here again from Bosch Law Firm and WorkCompExperts.com. If you're injured at work, it's never too soon to contact the lawyers and awesome staff at Bosch Law Firm. We'll answer all your questions, help you set up your work comp claim, and help you select professionals who will be there to help you, not the insurance company. And with almost 30 years of litigation experience, if your benefits are denied, we'll fight to get you paid. Bosch Law Firm. The call's always free and there's never a fee unless we obtain benefits on your your behalf. Call or text us at 651 333 
8300 or visit us at workcompexperts.com. Uh, so two things. Uh, first one is you talked about uh, Boldy getting a, a bridge deal. What did, what that look like? And then the second one is what's your guys' take on the uh, Perron, Buchnevitz, Kadri uh, kerfuffle. I thought Perron should have been kicked out of the game because yeah. he cross-checked him and then he sucker and punched him. Sucker on the, punched him, right. I uh, thought Perron should have been kicked out of the game. You know what's interesting about all that is, and I, I've, I've always been a Nazem Kadri fan. He's on your fantasy And he was a big part of a couple championships in the Donkey Hockey League. Yeah. But he was... I. He plays on the edge. There's a reason why when Nazem Kadri scores against the Wild, you get a really extra scores right. from Anthony LaPanta. But he was he plays and an on the edge. Immediate group text to all of us. <laughs> he plays on the edge, but he's a talented player. And I thought what was really telling was the the hit against Bennington was not a dirty play. He was going for a loose puck. The defenseman collides with him, and he smashes into the goaltender. If the defenseman doesn't hit him, he doesn't hit the goaltender. It was unfortunate, but it wasn't dirty. And his history and, is why that people think that it right. was dirty, because he's done that. I mean, look he what has, he did to Nicholas Backstrom. Yes, like, there's you know. no question. But I thought yeah. what was telling about what then has evolved in that series was the way the two coaches handled that. Craig Berube, who I gained a ton of respect for in the series against the Wild, watching him closely day in, day out, he comes out after the game and says, just look at Kadri's history. That's all you got. Right away, he's got that. When players start to hear coaches talking like that, Samuel Gerrard gets blasted and gets knocked out. And Jared Bednar comes out after the game and says, you know, when I watched it live, I didn't like it. But when I went back and watched it on tape, I think it was, it's unfortunate, but I think it was a clean hit. Just matter of fact, it's done with. Now, nobody on his team is thinking, I got to go get somebody because they took Samuel Gerrard out. Where The Blues lost their mind. At a point in that game where they still were very much in it, it put them down 4-1. Take away that 5-on-3, which Kadri scores right at the end of it. I know it was even strength because the guys were back on the ice, but it's essentially a 5-on-3 goal. St. Louis might have won that game had they not allowed that power play goal. And it was all because Perron lost his mind and went after a guy who had done nothing at that moment other than his team was up 3-1. to one. So I, I really think, and I thought Kadri handled it really well. Then there's all the post-game comments and the racist stuff from fans. And he's like, look, I've been listening to this all my career, and all I can do is go out and play. I, I just, I think... The and then for those, him to show up the way he did last play night, huge. holy crap! Right. I, I mean, mean I just, crazy. I really, he's a, he's a heck of a hockey player that agitates. Yes, has blurred the line during his career. Yes, but in this series, he might be the single most valuable player. No doubt. What was your other question? Oh, uh, Boldy, I, I, my gut says he'll be an expensive bridge deal. I'm thinking. They would love to get him at three times. They'd love to get him at three times three. I bet you it'll be three times three and a half, maybe two times three and a half. Um, you know, it's going to depend on on what what uh, the Bartlett's uh, want. Um, which actually, I, I just reminded me of that something. What's up, gentlemen? Yep, do it, do it for everybody. Let's everybody. Everybody knows who this is. You guys got ears on though. You want me to yell? Yeah, sing Gideon. Huh? Sing Gideon. You think I'm asking you to say let's go? Like, wow, yeah. okay, I want you to sing my morning jackets. Uh, no, no. Oh, okay. I lost those lyrics in the car on the way over. Who was it? Was it? Uh, oh, it was the podcast that you came to last. So if you're listening at home, I should probably introduce everybody. This is the hype man, uh, third period hype man that you always see at Wild Games, uh, Paul Anderson. So, uh, yeah. They had to let's play hockey. Yeah, right? they had to do let's play hockey. You did a magnificent job. I videoed it I for you. I got to represent the, yeah. the season ticket and holders. And Dean Zatani yeah, did a really cool story on you and all that. Um, but if you, what's really funny is, so I, I, I um, you know, My Morning Jacket is one of my favorite songs. In fact, um, Trampled by Turtles, the guys Dave submitted are really good friends with them. And when they were playing some show here together, it was uh, that show that's always at the Walker Arts Center outside. What's that called? Yeah, Rock the Garden. Uh, they went over to Nyes, the old Nyes, and uh, sang together, and I went and got to watch that. So My, my Morning Jacket's one of my favorite uh, bands, and he looks like the lead singer, uh, Jim James. And so I always joke that he, oh, the lead singer for My Morning Jacket's here. So last podcast that you came to, somebody came up to me and goes, who's he the lead singer of again? Like, what band? And I'm like, no, that's a big shtick, so... 
Paul is not the lead singer. I've gotten that a couple times, thanks yeah, to you. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I've asked this question before about uh, special teams. I believe I asked this question in February, and you know we were we were injured, things weren't happening well. It would pick up. It never really seemed to pick up. PK or PP, we had moments there, kind of early in March, where things seemed to be hitting a groove. Is this something we can solve in house with coaching? Um, is this, I know I've, I've heard that Dean ran the same systems in Washington and it worked fine. Is this, are we gonna have to completely overhaul this? Are we gonna have to get a specialist in here to handle this from outside? How are we gonna handle our I think special teams? Because that was our biggest flaw. That's at the top of the list for the self evaluation that's going on with this team right now. And yep. I, I, the short answer is I don't have an answer for you because I think they're, they're willing to consider just about anything, whether it be somebody else is in charge of it, yeah. maybe empower one specific coach, because they do things in a pretty collaborative fashion, but it, maybe it's time to have one guy, you own it, and that is your job, is the power play, and that's it, and we're gonna get, it. they have to change something because it wasn't good enough this year, and yeah. Dean was pretty blunt about it afterward and said, yeah. I'm looking at myself first, but it's got to be better. It was bad all year, and it cost him in the playoffs. Yep. Hey, guys, how you doing? Yeah, how are you, Charles? Uh, I've got two questions, both being kind of Iowa-based. Um, you, you got a shout-out on last week's podcast? You hear that? Uh, you don't listen one? to every podcast? Of course I do. That's okay. why I'm here. <laughs> but otherwise... Uh, I was, what I was most... I brought you up because you asked a question on the podcast, and I, well, I was mostly amazed that Anthony remembered what college you went to. Yeah, TCU. Sir... <laughs> Because Anthony doesn't remember crap. False. <laughs> it's just about other people. About other. I just... only remember stuff about other people. <laughs> Nothing about what's going on in my house. That's true. <laughs> Anyways, the first being uh, Kalen Addison. If you really think we're not trading Dumba, who's more offensive based, and he was even injured in the playoffs, do you really think we're gonna see Kalen Addison next year? Um. I mean, if they move a, a player, yes. I mean, I asked Billy about this on the Straight from the Source podcast, which I know you listen to. And, uh, and he basically says, no, I think he can vie for a roster spot. You know, as I mentioned, um, you know, I do have a feeling this John Merrill injury is not just a little injury, so that could also maybe open a door for him if, if things change in next year's thing. But um, I think the biggest thing working against Addison is just that they've got a lot of guys who are, let's say, diminutive and stature on their blue line already and but <laughs> now look at to go back to the special teams question look at how the blues used perunovic as a seventh defenseman and a power play guy mm -hmm. maybe it's maybe that's part of the solution is to say all right well we got a guy down there who looks to be a power play type defenseman maybe that's where he fits yeah and then my second being everyone's favorite prospect marco rossi I mean, he's, he's my height, and in your podcast with Tim Army, he's like, he's got to get bigger, stronger. If he really pulls, uh, Bill Guerin pulls triple sevens, and he's really that number one center, do we think Hartman will slot down in Fiala's spot and be a winger again, or do you think he'll be a center? Um, I think a lot, you know, it's interesting watching Hartman and Rotten Boldy the other day play in the World Championship. I know it's the World Championship, but holy crap, were they good together. So it did open my eyes to, like, maybe you could have a Hartman, Goudreau, Boldy line. I, I, knowing Dean Evison's style, I've, be, I've got to think Hartman's coming in as the number one center next to Zuccarello and Kaprizov, but maybe Rossi can work his way up if he makes... First, he's got to earn a roster spot. He's not just going to be handed a roster spot, right? Um, so uh, he's got to earn it. Then if he earns it, I could see him starting on that line with Boldy and Goudreau or Jost, assuming, um, you know, Fiala's traded. But, you know, as my biggest question, I asked Billy this, he's like... They keep on talking about Jost moving up. Where's he moving up to? Because you and I both know Dean Evison's not starting Freddie Goudreau on the fourth line. You know, and obviously the grief line's staying together. So it's like Jost, I don't see how he's moving up. Yeah, I, I actually will be interested to see this because I look at it a little differently. I think they got so locked into these are our lines in the playoffs that it, that it hurt them. Where Craig Berube had yeah, lines down the stretch and then down two games to one, he said, well, it ain't working. I'm going to change him. And Minnesota was reluctant to do that because I think they looked at it and said, we've done this for 82 games and we've decided these are our best lines. Why change it now? But I wonder if maybe they'll be a little more willing to move yeah. some guys around next year and say, yes, we like the grief line, but maybe in this case, 
we needed one of those guys playing with Kaprizov and Zuccarello, for example, to try to win some puck battles along the wall for those guys in the playoffs. And so I think there's a lot of spots where maybe Jost does move up. Maybe Rossi moves in the middle and Goudreau moves to a wing. Who knows? I mean, I, I just think they're going to – I think they will approach next season with a little bit more of – if you lose a couple games, maybe we change some things just, for a, just to freshen it up for a game or two, even if we think in the back of our mind we're going to go back to what we've always done. Yeah. I agree. I just think starting in camp, but I agree with you. I, I think that, um, you know, uh, by the way, I, when I met with uh, the owners of Talk North, what they said, one of the biggest things we like about it, uh, the worst seats in the house is how Anthony and you don't always agree. I'm like, well, that's what I always hate about the show. Anyway. Uh, no. When was the last time we did agree? Uh, that's a good point. And the, 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 what I like about that, though, is like, you know, when you watch a lot of shows on like, you know, ESPN, those type of shows, like it's all manufactured disagreements, right? Yeah, we really uh, we can freaking say never agree. There, nothing's manufactured no. when we disagree. No. The only difference is, is that I'm always right. Yeah, right? occasionally. Yeah. Brody Talks Hockey, yeah. this is Entrepreneur. If you are on uh, TikTok, Instagram, uh, all that type of stuff, podcast, Brody Talks Thanks Hockey. Thanks for the shout-out, Russo. Yep. But, uh, checks in the, you're, uh, gonna, that's gonna, you're gonna have to pay for that one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but my question is for both of you guys. per follower that you get. Dollar uh, per follower. Uh, that would be nice. All right, 50 cents. <laughs> only off the lives. Yeah. No. Uh, my question is for both of you guys today, and it is what are you looking forward to the most this offseason? Well, a trip, trip to Europe. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that because we, we had to cancel it a Two couple years, years ago, and then last year never got off the ground. So I'm really excited for that trip. I think it's going to be exciting. And, you know, we talked about this a little bit last week. The, I shift my gears to baseball, and it looks like a ball club that's a little more fun to watch this year. I like the way they're playing right now, so that's fun. And for me, summer is time on the golf course. So three, those three things for me. Yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to our Europe trip a lot. Uh, we're going to Hungary, Budapest. Uh, well, that's the same place. Budapest, Hungary. Prague, um, Budapest, Prague, Vienna. Bratislava, and Vienna. Yep. And then I'm actually staying a couple days to work, uh, which will be fun. Um, and, uh, so looking forward to that. I, I mean, from a work perspective, I'm looking forward to next week when I leave, uh, either on the 31st or first for the, I think I'm covering the Eastern conference final. So I'll be in either Raleigh or New York and Tampa, and then I'll go probably straight from there to the Stanley cup final, which will pretty be pretty neat. The only thing that might be up in the air there is if Edmonton does make the Stanley cup final, uh, because Pierre Lebron, it's just easier for him to get back and forth because he's North of the border. We, maybe we just figure that out where he just covers it alone. We'll see. But yeah, it'll be fun. So that's what I'm looking forward to uh, the most. Um, also got a really cool story lined up. I'm actually going to um, Cape uh, Rhode Island for my cousin's wedding, but I'm going a day before. Day be I get back. From, so I land from Europe. I literally go home, and I'm using literally appropriately because Anthony hates when people misuse literally. Right. I literally go home from the airport, repack. Literally from up Europe, all night. From Europe, and I'm going right back to the airport and flying to Boston and I'm going to Cape Cod, and I'm having, uh, I think it's Harwich Point, and there's a restaurant there called The Port, which is apparently a really like incredible like steak and fish place owned by Judd Brackett. I'm having dinner with him that night. I'm going to do a big feature on Judd Brackett, uh, the Wilds Director of Amateur Scouting. So I'm doing that, and then I'll drive up to, to uh, Rhode Island. So looking forward to that, too. That'll be really cool. I've never been to Cape Cod, so pretty neat. Any other questions before we wrap up the show? Anything we haven't talked about, Anthony, about the Wild? We talked about the goaltending. We talked about Fiala. Talked I think we about, got it all covered. Yeah. We'll see so. what the last question is right here. Yep. Maybe he'll uncover something new. Well, so I know Billy Guerin's all about winning. And I know the, the coaching philosophy has been very collaborative. But it seems like in the playoffs we were, we were outcoached. The special teams weren't great. Um, Maybe the, you know, the goalie switch made too late. How open are they going to be to looking at, at, at coaching and how they attack that next year? Because I think, I mean, it was, just, it was such a fun year to watch and so exciting and then just so hard to see it end the way it did. Yeah. I think very open. And you know, outcoached is a, is a tough term to use. I thought Craig Berube coached a brilliant series. And, but he went about it the same way in the Colorado series and 
they're getting their ass kicked. So, I mean, it's hard to say that now did he get out coached in this series? I don't think that's fair to say. I think they'll be very introspective, though, with what should we have done? Because I think they look at this as a series they could have won and maybe should have won. So without a doubt, they'll be looking at what should we have done differently with the benefit of hindsight. And sometimes it's, okay, well, yeah, we maybe we should have done that, but at the time we wouldn't have known that. But I think for sure they will be looking at it, and they'll be looking at every aspect of it. Can you imagine if Edmonton gets by uh, Calgary, how good that Edmonton-Colorado series is going to be? Holy crap. Well, I think a Colorado-Calgary series would be great, too. I, but, I mean, but I mean, McDavid-Dryzido versus right. and Kane, who's got 12 goals right, right. now, versus that line, and yep. as well as Kadri's playing, and that blue line. I mean, like this really does look like Colorado's year. But holy, something big is going to Edmonton. Like, when we go to Edmonton, and maybe it's because the Wild always go up there and kick their ass, like, that is the quietest crowd in the history of, like, crowds. It's not quiet when they're playing Calgary. Exactly. It's, un- it's been unbelievable, it's unbelievable. It? And I just, like, you get that building full with those jerseys, and I don't know. It's, uh, well, it's been crazy in that series. I mentioned McDavid earlier, but they just... They, Bostrom looks like he's a played, different human being. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. And the, I will say one thing that's... A, jumped out to me is it was in the athletic they had a an article that was written about unsung heroes on defense guys that were shut down defenders that are hard to quantify and the article Harmon uh, wrote it uh, really uh, co-authored my story today and he highly ranked Jonas Brodeen and so Chris Tanev was listed as one of the five best kind of unsung shut down defensemen and I he was the one name out of the five that surprised me on the list but now watching this playoff, when they lost him late in the yeah. Dallas series and didn't have him the yeah. first three games, of the, it it they missed him yep. dearly. They looked a little bit more like Calgary last night, but they just looked off without him. I, and, I've gained some respect and for him. Obviously, I don't have the the uh, the perspective of it, but what I heard, uh, I think it was Elliot Friedman and Jeff Merrick saying about Chris Tanev is, and and I think Wild fans could appreciate this because we see how well Jonas Brodeen plays against Connor McDavid is apparently. Um, in the regular season, at least, McDavid versus Tanev is one-sided on Tanev's way. So that was a huge loss to your right. point. Right, and he, I thought he was good last night, and, and Calgary was better, but Markstrom has been the head-scratcher in that series. Yep. He's, looked, he's looked off. Yeah. Um, all right, thanks, for everybody, for coming out. Thanks to our incredible sponsors, obviously Tuttle's. Um, we will be in touch, listen to the podcast, when you find out the uh, last, um, the, the next show. We're going to do one in June, probably later in the month. Um, Royal Credit Union, Kowalski's, profiled by Sanford, Aquarius Home Services, your local authorized dealer for Connecticut Water Treatments, Chris Lindell Real Estate, and Bosch Law Firm. Thanks for coming out to LC's, everybody. Give uh, Anthony a round of applause. There you go. So much coming out, there's nothing going in. I know that you feel like you're never going to Oh, but the world won't forgive a winner. Yeah, it's just, I went with the vodka tonight. It's that type of day. <laughs>